0: And welcome back to SexPod the podcast. My name is Lillian, and this is the third episode. I have called it Come As You Are, which will make a lot more sense later on in the episode. I'm so excited to be recording. I'm on my new laptop. Unfortunately, my old laptop. Um, I had like a little crack in the corner of the screen and it just grew and grew and grew. So by the time I went to record again last week, I couldn't really do much because half my screen was completely blacked out. And a lot of the functions I needed that I forgot I needed were all on that side. So not ideal and it just wasn't really working out. So I'm on my new laptop now and I'm hoping it's all updated and everything will sound a lot better. I'm loving it so far. So a little bit of a life update. The last time I recorded and put out an episode was last September. So I've done two episodes so far. The first one, I spoke about why I really want to do this podcast and a little bit more about me and how I got to where I am today, wanting to become a sexologist. And the second episode I interviewed Janie, which was such a great episode. And I really, really loved talking to her. So go back and listen to that. And I really hope I can have her on the podcast again soon life update. So I am still on uni holidays. I've been on uni holidays, I feel like for like two years. It's such a long break. Like I kind of regret not doing summer, subject, summer subjects, but then also I feel like if I did summer subjects, I would regret doing the summer subject. So I'm a little bit torn. I might try it out this year. So I'm going into my second year currently of my Bachelor of Psychological Science. I feel like whenever I say I'm studying to be a sexologist, everyone's like, well, what are you studying now? You know, How do you do that? How do you get there? And that's actually a very good question because I had no idea how I would become a sexologist. I just knew I really, really wanted to. So at the moment I am in my second year, we're about to start my second year of my Bachelor of Psychological Science. And then I'm hoping at the end of the three years, I will get good enough marks to do my honours And then from there, I really, at the moment, things might change in the next, you know, three years or so. But at the moment, I really want to do my master's at the University of Sydney. And it's a master's of science in medicine of sexual and reproductive health. That's what I'm really, really aiming towards. I just really need to work hard the next few years to get good enough marks. So yes, that's what I'm aiming for. So hopefully within the next, you know, five or so years, I will be qualified. And I really, really want to become a psychosexologist. So that is my life update. Well, my uni update, my studying update. In the meantime of that, I'm really, really wanting to learn a lot more what I can, read heaps more books, listen to podcasts, learn from all the professionals. That also reminds me of another note I was meant to say at the start of the episode. I really need to make it clear that these episodes are not professional advice at all I'm obviously just studying this is more like my personal experience and things that work for me or you know my experiences or my opinions and I will just recommend what you know resources where professionals you can learn more from the professionals I just said professionals so many times but Yes, I am definitely not giving out any sort of advice. If I ever talk about something, it's my personal opinion or just something that has happened to me and I strongly strongly urge you if you do have any issues, you know, with your sex life, you should always always go and see a sexologist or a sex therapist or a psychologist or a counselor. Always always go to a professional. I think there's a lot floating around on social media these days and everyone's an expert of everything. So I'm just making it very clear that that is not what this podcast is for. I just really, really want to have a platform. I just said really, really so many times in a row and I know it and I didn't stop myself, but yes, I am doing this podcast because I want to help to break the taboo around talking about sex and sexuality and really just make it's so much easier for people to talk about. I just lost my train of thought while I was talking. But anyway, back to the episode. I'm rambling a little bit. The episode today is called Come As You Are. And this all stems from a book that I read by Emily Nagoski. And this was the first book that I found related to like sex and sexuality and the science behind sex. And it seriously blew my mind. Like when I read the book, I told everyone about it. I like would just whoever would listen, I would tell them about it and how mind blown I was about the things I was learning. And so I'm going to read what the book is about from Booktopia. Like if you go on and research about the book, this is what it will tell you. I feel like this will explain it better than I will because I don't always, I ramble on a lot. (laughs) Okay, so researchers have spent the last decade trying to develop a pink pill for women to function like Viagra does for men. So where is it? Well, for reasons this book makes crystal clear, that pill will never be the answer. But as a result of the research that's gone into it, scientists in the last few years have learned more about how women's sexuality works than we ever thought possible. And Come As You Are explains it all. The first lesson in this essential transformative book by Dr. Emily Nagoski is that every woman has her own unique sexuality, like a fingerprint, and that women vary more than men in our anatomy, our sexual response mechanisms, and the way our bodies respond to the sexual world, so we never need to judge ourselves based on others' experiences, because women vary and that's normal. Second lesson, sex happens in a context, and all the complications of everyday life influence the context surrounding a woman's arousal, desire, and orgasm. Cutting edge research across multiple disciplines tells us that the most important factor for women in creating and sustaining a fulfilling sex life is not what you do in bed or how you do it, but how you feel about it, which means that stress, mood, trust, and body image are not peripheral factors in a woman's sexual well-being. They are central to it. Once you understand these factors and how to influence them, you can create for yourself better sex and more profound pleasure than you ever thought possible. And Emily Nagoski can prove it. While I was reading that I had a thought obviously if you do not identify as a woman this book still applies to you and they do explain that in the book. There is at the very beginning of the book they really do talk about how this doesn't just apply to people that identify as women it applies to all genders, non-binary, all different types of people and the idea that the outside world really does affect our sex life really applies to everyone. So even though that language wasn't the most inclusive in explaining the book, it does apply to everyone. So please go out and read the book. It, it's just so amazing. So the main thing that I really took away from the book was all of like the insecurities and all of the thoughts I've had surrounding sex and surrounding my body image and how I see myself and how I see others, this book really challenged it because I think for years I'm 25 now, nearly 26. And I definitely do not have everything figured out when it comes to my relationship with myself and my body and my sexuality and my sex life. I still have so many insecurities and I still feel like I'm trying to figure out, figure everything out. And I feel like that never really goes away. I think we're always learning and always changing. But I think the book really changed my attitude towards myself and sex. I don't have as many insecure thoughts anymore. I don't have as many things in the way of letting me enjoy my sex life and my sexuality. I felt like I read the book and it was like a light bulb moment. I was like, why have I spent so many years judging myself so harshly when you know the other person involved in the sex probably wasn't thinking half of it you know and not even just you know sex with other people I really second guess myself all the time and my insecurities and the way I view my body and myself and this book really challenged that and the whole premise of the book is talking about no matter where you're at no matter who you are no matter what you look like no matter what gender you are everything what size you are nothing it's everything is the way it should be like meet yourself where you are come as you are and really accept yourself and that really helped me and gave me permission to accept myself more and gave me more confidence in who I was there was a whole chapter in the beginning of the book about vulvas and the attitude that we have towards vulvas in our society and how porn especially has created this I don't know what to call it like porn has created the expectation sorry that's what I was trying to get to this expectation that all vulvas should look the same and, you know, that we all have so much stress surrounding it before we sleep with people. Oh my God, what if they think my vulva's ugly? And also the book does talk about the language surrounding our vulva and vagina and how, you know, I didn't start saying vulva until a year ago when really the vagina is, it's, it's not an anatomy lesson, this podcast, but the vagina is just the whole thing. Where we put tampons up there, we have sex up there, we have our period out of there. That is the vagina, but the whole outer part of it is the vulva. And the book talks about how there is such little education around this and how we need to start calling them, you know, calling our vulva for what it is and accepting them no matter what they look like. And there's just so, so much pressure on us for it to be you know, perfectly shaven all the time. It has to smell right. It has to look right. It has to be exactly what it's like in porn, you know, barely there. Like it, which it's just, there's so much pressure. And this book just gives you permission to meet yourself where you are and accept your body for how it is, because there is no right or wrong. It's such a societal construct that like our we have to look a certain way or be a certain way. And obviously those things aren't going to change overnight. There is still a lot of work to do, but this book really does just give you permission to be who you are and be comfortable with who you are, which I love. So in the book, she goes through a lot of different case studies that she's had of clients who have come to see her. And the one that really, really stood out for me and that helps me explain the book is she was talking about a couple and they were both doing the exact same course at uni, studying the exact same thing, same stress levels. They were living together. They were on the same schedule, except one half of the couple, when they feel stressed, they don't want to have sex. They didn't want the other person to go near them, couldn't get in the mood. But then the other person who was feeling pretty much the exact same way they really, really, really wanted to have sex. And of course, when one person wants to have sex in a relationship and the other is really shutting off, that can be a struggle to communicate about that and be on the same page. So it really took them both sitting down with Dr. Emily Nagoski and talking about it from both of their angles. And when they both talked and kind of understood where each other was coming from, it was a lot easier for them to communicate and understand what was going on in their head because it wasn't as simple as they do not want to have sex with me. They're not attracted to me. They don't love me anymore. Or why, why won't they listen to me? Why don't they understand that? I'm just not in the mood. I've got so much going on. It was like, they both had to actually deal with the underlying causes of how they were feeling. So the way she explained it was some people uh, have their foot on the brakes and another people, other people have their foot on the accelerator. So in regards to libido and sex drive some people with the foot more on the brakes they would need you know everything to be in order all the outside stresses in their life to be in order and dealt with and then they can you know feel sexual and feel really tapped into their libido but then on the other hand some people are more on the accelerator so they don't necessarily need everything in their life to be in order for them to want to have sex like the stress from Their thing was exams coming up and last minute assignments for uni. For her, that didn't deter her from wanting to have sex. But for her partner, he really felt the pressure of the relation of, sorry, the exams and all the uni stress. So he really felt that, which in turn made his libido go go right down because it was kind of the last thing he could think about. But on the other hand, some people use that stress and channel it and want to you know, try and get rid of it by having sex. And a lot of the time that doesn't always work because you haven't dealt with what's actually going on underneath. So what Emily Nagoski, did Dr. Emily Nagoski did was she made them both kind of really think about what was stressing them out in life, what was going on, how they were dealing with it and healthy ways to deal with the stress so it wouldn't spill over into their relationship and in their sex life. And once they actually got to the root of the problem, they were both able to enjoy their relationship and enjoy their sex life way more. So that was a big thing for me really. I think sometimes you can like put the blinders on a bit and really internalize it and you go, well, I'm feeling this way and you make it about you and not about the other person and assume how they're feeling when really you need to kind of look within yourselves separately, work on that and then come together and talk about it. And yeah, it's just, it really, really, I'm, probably not explaining it the best way, but read the book. That is how you will really get what is going on and what I'm trying to talk about. I hope it's making some sense though. But yeah, this whole idea of how outside factors really affect our sex life in our libido, it kind of seems like an obvious one. Like, I don't know, like saying that it's kind of like, well, yeah, but I think when you really, really look into it and you look into your own personal life and how you are feeling, it's really interesting, really, really interesting. Another element to the foot on the brakes and the accelerator part of the libido in this book. she was talking about how some people are with more on the brakes, they really need everything to be in order. So that could even mean you know you like to prepare yourself for sex, like whether it's sex with the partner, partners, yourself, you really like to prepare. So, you know, having a shower before you do it, having a ritual before you do it, the room needs to be clean. The sheets need to be clean. needs to be a candle on, you know, all of these little factors that come into it that really do help you get in the mood for it. But then others, you know, they could go into a room and, you know, the, the bed won't be made, the sheets won't be fresh. Um, they've just been for a run, like, you know, all these different factors. Some of them are roadblocks for people. And, The whole point of the book is that is totally fine. There is no right or wrong and there is no rule book on how you're meant to feel and how you're meant to approach your sexuality and your sex life. So that is the big, big point that I keep coming back to is it is all completely normal. It's just how you deal with the outside factors and also the internal factors. And if you are in a relationship with someone or you are sleeping with different people, it's how you communicate that. It's not an issue. It's like, it's how you communicate it and how you deal with it. That is the main point of the book. And it's also accepting that for who you, you, accepting yourself for who you are and being okay with that. And that is a really important point. I've been thinking a lot leading up to this episode, what I feel personally towards myself and my libido and my attitude towards my sexuality. And I feel like I've always been a little bit more towards the accelerator side of things. I don't feel like I need to have absolutely everything in order for me to want to, like, I don't need to have a perfect room or, you know, fresh sheets. I mean, it is a major plus if there is, but yeah, I find I don't need to have too many like boxes ticked for me to want to do it I feel like naturally I do want to do it quite easily but also at the same time I feel like that's changing I used to think that as well when I was younger I feel like I wasn't as in touch with myself like emotionally so now as I'm getting older I feel like emotionally that is affecting my libido a lot more now especially being in a relationship I feel like obviously relationships are changing you know every day every week and with two people you know you're never going to have the same day twice in a relationship and I think going through the different phases of a relationship I've been in one now for just over a year and I feel like when things aren't amazing like if I feel like maybe I'm not being listened to or I feel like I'm not being hundred percent like respected I feel like then my libido definitely goes down because emotionally I'm just like not nah, not nah, not the mood don't come near me like no way or you know if you have a little argument or something um yeah I feel like that definitely affects it but it definitely towards more the accelerator in general but that emotional side of things has been quite a new one for me Maybe just because when I was younger as well, I would try and push it down because I wasn't com- like confident enough to talk about how I was feeling. I feel like now I'm extremely comfortable talking about how I'm feeling and what I need from the relationship. So yeah, I feel like emotionally that definitely is a factor for me personally. A second one, physically. I feel like physically 100% affects my libido so much. I know having polycystic ovaries, I PCOS sorry I just skimmed past that I have PCOS if you haven't known or if you didn't listen to the first episode and it's pretty much just like a hormonal imbalance and I get cysts on my ovaries every now and then I deal with really shit cycles pretty much (laughs) Um, I can go through you know a 45-day cycle one month and then have 29-day cycle the next month I get lots of period pain my digestion is really affected by my hormones i find um eating certain foods really does affect how i feel i get a lot of water retention throughout my cycle the list goes on and on but yeah at different points in my cycle i find physically i whether i'm in pain or whether i feel really bloated or whether my water retention's really bad i feel like in those times i don't want to have sex i just feel so bad about myself and I feel like my body's working against me and it's, I don't feel connected to myself. So, you know, throughout my cycles, I do find that happens a bit. Um, another aspect of that, which also ties into how my body fluctuates and the way I feel in my body changes throughout the month. I feel like my body image changes a lot. Um, when I'm feeling like just like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, you know, coming up to getting my period when I'm so bloated and just feel like absolute shit, really bad fatigue, water retention, So I just feel like heavy. Like I just around that time, it's just a no go. I do not feel good about myself and my body image and my relationship with my body and how I view myself really, really changes in a negative way when that happens. So I find when I'm not as confident and when I'm not feeling good about myself, that is a huge, huge part um, of affecting my libido. So I, this is what works for me. Like I find when I'm taking care of myself mentally and physically, I find my libido is much steadier and I'm, you know, feeling a lot better about myself than I find my attitude towards sex and my sexuality is so different and so much more positive positive. So this is just my tip and this is what works for me. You know, what works for me and what taking care of myself means for me is going to be completely, completely different for someone else. So for me personally, I find when I am cooking food I love and eating food I love, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, it has to be the healthiest food in the world, but food that makes me feel good. Like, for example, gluten fucks me up. Like, I just can't eat it. <laughs> I just... Like my digestive system just stops. My stomach is just, I get in so much pain and I just feel horrible. So like, obviously when I'm laying there with like my stomach aching, like I'm not really going to want to have sex and have something hitting my bowels while it's all inflamed. No, thank you. So things like that, making sure that I am eating well and that I'm eating foods that I love that make me feel good that's really important to me I find when I'm exercising regularly that changes all the time right now I'm loving pilates and yoga and walking and I like doing body pump at my gym on a Tuesday they all make me feel really really good so I feel like physically when I'm feeling good I feel like my attitude towards myself and my self-confidence is way better Um, again, those are just the exercises that I love and it doesn't mean that, you know, that's for everyone. Exercising could make some people feel shit, you know, that version of self-care could be watching a movie you love or listening to music you love or wearing clothes you love. Actually, that reminds me, I have a recommendation for an Instagram. It is a sexologist that I follow and she is amazing. I'll do like a recommendations on my Instagram and post it. I'm doing a live search on Instagram. So her name is Laura Miano and she is a sexologist and she is working in Melbourne. Sexologist and master's graduate, sex therapist in Melbourne. She is amazing. I'm going to link her Instagram on my Instagram. I'll do a little post for this episode. She's so, so amazing, but it reminded me because she did a post about clothing and sexuality and she did a poll on her Instagram that says does clothing influence your sexuality and the votes was like huge so 243 people said yes with only seven people saying no so that is also another tip is you know wearing clothes that make you feel good and make you feel just so happy inside and out and you know listening to music that you love and I find just when I'm doing things that I love and that make me feel good, I'm way more inclined to be more connected to myself and my body and want to have sex and want to be sexual and really connected to my sexuality. Another little tip um, that I think works for me and also that I've listened to on a few podcasts and books from different sexologists is really creating a sacred space for whatever kind of sex you're having whether it is sex with another person whether it's sex with yourself whether even it's just time with yourself like creating that sacred space is so important like you know cleaning your room and putting on fresh bed sheets and putting on your favorite candle or anything anything that makes you feel good do it and I promise you it'll make you feel so much happier and way more ready and comfortable and yeah and also like I said, whatever works for me won't necessarily work for you. So find out what makes you happy and what makes you feel connected to your sexuality and do that and do as much of it as you can. I feel like I've said everything that I came here to say today. I just kind of wanted to like dip my toes back in today, get an episode out, talk, like have a relaxed episode and just say everything that was on my mind because I feel like libido and sex drive and this book that I really want you to read, Come As You Are by Dr. Emily Nagoski. Please go and read it. It's so good. Actually, actually the revised version of this book is coming out in March. So in a month's time, you'll be able to get the new one. So if you're going to read it, wait a month and get the revised version because there'll be so much more added into the book. It is just, it's so amazing. And I highly, highly recommend it. And it really, really opened my eyes. And it was one of the first books that I read about sexuality and it really was one of the driving factors into me starting to study to become a sexologist, which I'm so excited for by the way. I realized that only next year I will be graduating from my bachelor's degree, which has gone so fast. Even though I've still got this year and next year to get through, <laughs> I can see the finish line. Well it's not the finish line, but you know the the semi-finish line to getting towards my career. So I'm very, very excited and I'm really excited about this podcast. I just love talking about all of this and I feel really, really happy doing it. Even if one person listens to this, I feel really happy and I'm really excited. Also, before I go, Valentine's Day is this weekend and I hope no matter how you're celebrating it, whether you are single or in a relationship, if you are single, spoil yourself. Go out and buy yourself flowers. Go out and buy yourself a wine you love a chocolate you love, dinner you love, like cook for yourself. If you have a partner, celebrate each other, celebrate loving each other and do something really thoughtful and nice. And if you don't celebrate it, then I hope you have just a normal weekend and it's really fun. So thank you for listening to this. I think next weekend I might do a bigger episode and talk about the worst, worst dating experience of my life. Like, I can't even explain it. It was just a traumatic few months and I'll explain it next week. It's quite a roller coaster, so get ready, but I will bring that out next week. So thank you for listening. Bye. I'm back. I feel like that was a weird way to end it. Bye. See, see ya. I feel like I need something to like say at the end. Not like a catchphrase. I feel like that would be weird, but I don't know, I just feel like bye was so blunt. So I'll just say again. <laughs> Thank you for listening and I really, really appreciate it and I hope you all have a great rest of the day. See ya. (laughs)